welcome, my friend, to the automotive industry's universally recognized premier aftermarket podcast, innovative and creative content guaranteed. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Carm Capriato here, adding to our creative content with a unique and special perspective from three female aftermarket professionals. We have a shop owner, service advisor, and technician who've invested heavily in their careers. And also something extra special, my friend Matt Fonslow will be the host as I sit on the sidelines and listen just like you are. Hats off to Matt for his first podcast hosting role and for bringing this topic together for us. His passion was so strong for this topic that I asked him to host. One of my supporting partners of the podcast, as you know, is Napa Pro Image. You know, the Napa Expo has officially been rescheduled. February 1st through the 4th, 2021, Las Vegas is going to be painted blue and gold as Team Napa puts on the fabulous event that was planned prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. Napa wants to thank everyone for understanding the event postponement and they send well wishes to you and your families rest assured team napa is as energized and invested as ever in napa expo and we look forward to hosting you in february on the show is ashley mccabe owner of mccabe's automotive specialist university place washington michelle Wynn, technician at beck service center indianapolis indiana and lauren giver service advisor los gatos auto service campbell california after 26 years of working on cars, I still wait till the customer leaves the building and leaves the lot before I go get in their car because I know it creates an additional level of anxiety for them when they see little old me walk out and get in their car. A nice soundbite that should entice you to listen and learn from this wide-open discussion on the woman's role in the aftermarket. We mostly agree that 50% of your customers are women in decision-making roles, yet only 3% of technicians are women and 20% of service advisors are also women. So this is the start of a great continuing discussion. Hey, could you give me four minutes of your time? I've got a survey I'd like you to take. Now, we're five years in the podcast, consistently presenting shows each week with over 800-plus episodes and 450 hours of content. You'll never catch up, but that's okay. The survey, it's totally confidential. So tell me what you like and what you would change about the podcast. Now, please go to remarkableresults.biz slash survey or find a link on my homepage. Thanks. Appreciate that. And don't forget about the weekly magazine show I co-host with Tom Ham. This is must-see TV. It is a video event, live every Tuesday at noon Eastern time. Go to aftermarketweekly.com and watch the first seven episodes. One great feature is a shop tour each week. Join us at aftermarketweekly.com. Go ahead and bookmark it. As I said a moment ago, this interview is hosted by Matt Foslow for his first time hosting. He did an excellent job. Tell Matt on Facebook. Find the key talking points for this interview with Ashley McCabe, Michelle Wynn, and Lauren Giver at RemarkableResults.biz slash E549. And I'm excited to have this all-female panel, Ashley McCabe from McCabe's Automotive Specialist University Place in Washington. Hello, Ashley. Hi. Good to have you here. You're our shop owner, and Michelle Wynn is with us, technician from Beck Service Center, Indianapolis. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Carm. We've done a podcast together a few moons ago. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your great story, a female technician in the industry. And Lauren Givers with us, service advisor, Los Gatos Service Center in Campbell, California. Hello, Lauren. Hello. 
and Lauren's been on before. We've, we did a great role play, service advisor role play with you. And it was, it was just, it was a wonderful thing. You are, you're very good at what you do. We also have Matt Fonslow with us, uh, and everyone knows Matt, diagnostician, shop manager, Riverside Automotive. And uh, Matt brought me this. He says, you know, we, we talk almost every week, and he says, hey, I got this idea, let's do this thing. And I said, well, great, Matt. We put the panel together, and I says, now you can be the host, and I'll just sit in the back, and you can do your thing. So, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time ever, I am sending my hosting duties and my ability to ask great questions over to Mr. Fonslow. Matt? Well, the reality is this comes up because I think we've heard for maybe decades now how we have this skill gap or a lack of technicians, a lack of employees. The talent pool is shrinking and where are we going to find the next great technician, the next great shop owner, the next great service advisor, the next great service manager, shop manager? Not seen or heard anybody talk about where there's a wealth of talent, and that's from the women in our world, right? You know, it's not limited just to the U.S. This is a uh, worldwide issue looking for talent, and it doesn't get brought up nearly enough. Can this hold its own podcast. Well, I think it might hold more than one. I think this is a really big topic that we might scratch the surface on. But what I've found is about 3% of the technicians out there are female. And I think service advising, service managing, kind of pushing that 20% range. And shop owners are probably under a percent. Women shop owners are probably under a percent. But a lot of these articles with all this information I've been reading consistently bring up a toxic environment. I can't speak to that. I, we don't have any women working for us, for one, that I would love to change. And two, closest experience I have is uh, when I was a kid, my grandfather owned a farm implement dealer and he hired a uh, lady, a woman to run the um, parts department. She got a lot of weird looks, you know, and granted, I was little, I only saw maybe things through rose-colored glasses, I don't know. But he pushed off all inquiries to her. So calling up, I want to talk to, you know, so-and-so or so-and-so. Nope, this is who you need to talk to. Michelle and I, I think, have a a relationship, right? We've known each other for quite a few years. We have. have. And uh, Michelle is somebody I've looked up to for a long, long time. She was the uh, Saluth. You're the Saluth? Well, I was. (laughs) Linder Technical Services in Indianapolis, Indiana, down on uh, Gasoline Alley, had not only the fuel injection reconditioning lab, but they also had a full-time diagnostician. And you're looking at her. Michelle Wynn was the Saluth. And once a month, part of the newsletter, you would write uh, a column. Yeah, or case studies about, you know, things that came through the shop. Right. And she was the one that fixed a lot of vehicles that others couldn't. I guess it never affected me that you were a woman. It was, you could do it. Right. And at that point, when we met, I had been doing it for long enough where I appeared that I could do it. You know, I was probably eight years into my career when I started working for Jim. So I had enough experience. And I think. I was in the right environment where people took me seriously. So that made a difference because people respected Jim. They respected the people that worked for Jim. How did you end up where you ended up? 
Um, well, I met Jim because I used to go to training at Jim's center. So my former boss sent me to classes there for training. And that's where I met Jim and a lot of other people. I worked for him off and on for seven or eight years. And then Jim offered me the job and he had air conditioning. So it was the summertime. It was a no brainer. So, so then I left, but, um, I mean, even the first boss that I had, he always took me seriously. He did fight with customers a little over, you know, I don't want her to work on my car and that kind of thing. And he just basically said, you've been my customer for 25 years. If you don't trust that I have the right people in place to do the work properly, then you need to find somewhere else to go. Once I got my first job, everybody was pretty supportive. I could tell the customers were a little weirded out, but... Most of the time, it only took a few days working somewhere around the guys. They would stand and stare at me from behind the rack on the other side of the pole. And you could tell they're watching me to see if you know what they're doing. But after a few days, it was not really any different than any other new people starting because I do it to new people. I stare at them. I want to know if they know what they're doing. So it really wasn't any different for me, I didn't think. And do you think that's a lot to do with just the culture the shops had, or do you think a lot to do with your personality? Cause I don't know yeah, if confrontational I, is quite the right uh, word, but you're not afraid to be confrontational. Correct. I'm not afraid of confrontation. Yes. So maybe it had a little bit to do with my personality because I really didn't care what they thought of me. I was, and actually that seems to get quite a bit of respect. I'm not timid. And when I come to someone with a diagnosis, I'm very firm. And if I tell you, I know something, I know it. If I don't know, I'll tell you that too. And I think that helps the service writer that has to deal with me. It helps their boss because I don't, I'm not wimpy about anything. It's just, it is what it is with me. (laughs) Obviously you know that. Would you say the um, confident and assertive when you needed to be, if not even uh, more aggressive has served you very well over the years? It has. I mean, of course, if you're a woman, you're seen as bitchy if you're assertive or aggressive. I mean, that's just automatic. I don't really care about that anymore. You can't tell from the picture, but I'm very small. So I've been quite assertive from very early on, like grade school. I- I've never really had any issue with anybody I've worked with. It's been mostly customers, I would say, that maybe don't appreciate that I'm there. <laughs> Yeah. So much. <laughs> which is which so. is kind of an interesting uh, thought or experience because Ashley and Lauren would probably know off the uh, top of their heads, it's well over 50% of the people bringing their cars to you are women, right? Or bring, Whether it's the family vehicle or their own, it's usually the woman bringing the vehicle to the shop. And even if the husband brings it, oftentimes it's the wife that's making the financial decisions for the family. So... Would you say you have a similar experience then interacting either with technicians versus customers? Do you find that uh, your skills are questioned more by the motoring public than the people you work with? Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. For sure. That's happened to me several times because I'm young and I'm a female. Yeah. I was, I was going to ask you that if what you felt your um, youthful youthfulness or age had to do with it. For me, age is a lot for me and I'm a woman and it happens a lot. Um, when I first started at the shop, 
customers would ask me if there was somebody else that they could talk yeah. to. Yeah. Is there, so, is there, they would look above me or around me. Um, that happened a lot. And that generally happened with the, the elderly male population. They yeah. wanted to talk to somebody else. So I am, I agree with Michelle. I can sometimes be a little controversial. So I would stand up a little taller and I'd be like, okay, does this, does this make me more? Can you, can I help you now? And so it took a while, um, to train and to, to train the elderly, um, clients, you know, their seventies and eighties, they don't want to talk to a young female. How could I possibly know how to help them? You know, they always worked with my dad. Wasn't your dad here? Isn't there somebody else I can talk to? And instead of owning that, which I don't have to, I don't have to own their, you know, discrimination towards women in, in an automotive shop. I just explained to them, you know, you know, I would be happy to hear your concern. And if I can address it for you, I can definitely get you somebody in the shop that can, but I don't know why you're here. I may not get you the right person. Um, you know, I'm, I'm taking over as the owner now. I, I'd be happy to help you. That's why I'm here. That's my sole purpose is to keep the shop open to help you. Once they see that I am on their side, I am educated and I am knowledgeable. Can I fix a car? No, but that's why I have four master technicians to do so. They they work with me. Great. My technicians take me out in the shop. They teach me. They have been the most receptive. My service manager is also female. Um, And so her and I work together. We sometimes do um, encounter the same things. My other service advisor is a male. And it's funny because as soon as he picks up the phone, they just assume that he's the owner. Can I talk to the boss? And I put me on the phone and they're like, well, I was talking to a gentleman earlier. I said, well, you asked to speak to the owner and that's me. How can I help you? Oh, well, I was talking to the gentleman. Oh, the service advisor, of course. Let me get you with them. That happens a lot. I mean, and unfortunately, that's one of my main goals in the position that I am to to turn that around. Um, Don't always assume that just because there's a woman behind the counter that she can't be the owner. She can't be the one in charge. Don't, Don't assume that. So that's one of my biggest, my missions in however many years I own our family shop that don't assume in the neighborhood, you know, my opinion is us women, we take better care of your car. I mean, I love my dad and I love the men, but we pay attention to the smaller details. We are more in tuned with, you know, fingerprints and wiping things down and making sure we get that single little details of our personality and our, our traits of our gender. I feel like make us better for the position to help the customer. How long about have you owned the shop? A year and a half. I've been there for five, but I've been in charge for about a year and a half. Hey, it's Carm here, talking to you about what the Napa Auto Care Center program can do for your business. Now, you probably already know the Napa brand is the most recognized and trusted name in the automotive aftermarket industry. In fact, studies show that 95% of consumers recognize Napa and associate it with quality parts, service, and technical expertise. So why not complete a pro-image upgrade and take advantage of that? Pro Image is a co-branding program for the exterior and interior of your shop. On the outside, it includes the Napa colors and distinctive Napa signage. While the public may know you as a reliable locally owned business, a Pro Image upgrade helps set your shop apart from the competition even further. It's also a visual signal to customers and potential customers that you and Napa are partners. Most importantly, Pro Image really works. This co-branding opportunity has helped Napa Auto Care Centers across the country increase their car counts and sales. In fact, those that have completed a Pro Image project enjoy an average 23% sales increase during the first year. Pro Image upgrades are also available for the interior of your shop. A Pro Image interior upgrade transforms your customer waiting area from merely utilitarian to warm and welcoming. 
the goal is to maintain your shop's independent identity while enhancing the customer's experience. You can get a free look at what a Pro Image exterior and interior upgrade could look like by visiting the Napa Auto Care member site and clicking on the Napa Pro Image link under the Napa Pro Image tab. Or contact your local Napa Auto Parts store. Your servicing Napa store can tell you more about Pro Image plus the hundreds of other reasons to become part of the Napa Auto Care family, the largest network of independent automotive repair shops in the country. I guess it's it's just kind of a stereotypical prejudice, right? Not only towards women, but the people owning that. It's stereotypical prejudice. The older male, mm-hmm. that's stereotypical. So, yeah. you know, how have you gotten to the point where you can kind of take that in stride? and Or have you had to fire customers over it? I've never had to fire a customer over it. When I first started, I was much younger. You know, I was five five years younger, and my dad still worked there, and I was much more sensitive than I am now. Um, I've learned. I've grown as an adult. I've grown as a woman. I have a leadership coach, and we focus a lot about this. My value is not based on my gender. My worth is not based on my gender. And so, I when I walk around, not thinking, "Well, I'm a woman in a man's world. I'm a woman, and I own an automotive repair shop." When I changed my thinking. The way I talked to customers was different. The way I portrayed myself was different. Um, it took a while to learn that. That's a new trait, right? I came from, I was a barista for several years. Customer service was my thing. So going into a new place where people didn't, I wasn't the person they wanted to talk to. I had to learn and teach myself and teach the customers, teach the clientele. It's okay that I'm here. I can help you. I mean, like my first year, 2018 or 2019, when I really took the reins, I spent a lot of the year educating the customer base that I had and my new customer base. I would introduce myself. Hi, I'm Ashley McCabe. I'm the owner. How can I help you? I get to know your family. There was less of a surprise when people found out that I was the owner. I just was upfront about it. And that worked out really well for me. Lauren, would you say you have uh, support from the management? And would you say you witnessed or experienced... Uh, largely the same things that Ashley rattled off? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely have support from not only the owner, but my techs, the shop manager, um, even in my last position. You know, I like to say I was raised really well in the industry. I've always been treated really well, again, by techs, owners, everyone involved. The one thing that drives me crazy is when I hear them say, oh, it's just the receptionist. I get that. I hate that. I've been doing this for three years and it still just makes my blood boil and I have to bite my tongue. Um, I actually had a customer, you know, a couple of weeks ago call in. His truck's still here. As a matter of fact, he's been kind of dragging his feet on what he wants to do. But when we were kind of talking about what we're looking into, he's like, yeah, you know, just have one of the guys ping me back. And, you know, I have a quick question. Well, let me see if I can answer your question. Okay. Well, he asked his question. I don't remember what it was, but it was something simple. I was able to give him the information he needed. Okay, great. We keep talking. He has a, excuse me, a list of items he wanted to go over. And again, yeah, just have one of the guys buzz me back. Well, what's the question? Oh, he asked me the question. And again, simple answer for you. And it happened a third time and I hung up the phone. I'm just like, it was just really frustrating because they assumed that because I'm a female, I have no knowledge. And he's not the only customer I've ever experienced that with. But, you know, all I can really do is just illustrate to them, look, I was hired to do this job for a reason. I have a level of knowledge that I'm happy to share with you. I want to educate you. And if I don't have the answer, I'm not a tech. I'm not going to have the answer all the time. 
but it's something I can happily find out for you. It happens frequently. For clients that come in, female clients, when they're talking to a service advisor or I just so happen to be at the counter, they usually bring up the case that they're not a man, so they don't feel like they understand this stuff as much. And my common response to that is I don't feel like testosterone has anything to do with your ability to comprehend you know, how a vehicle operates. We have plenty of men coming in. They have no idea what you're talking about. Here's the keys. How much? When will it be done? It's frustrating to hear you guys say this because you would think then there'd be an element of relief in dealing with Lauren or Ashley or knowing Michelle is working on that vehicle that there'd be this level of comfort, you know, feeling like they can talk to you and uh, not be jerked around or talked down to because, you know, whether they are or not, I think some cases they are, a lot of cases they're not, they're not being talked down to, but coming from you guys, it seems like that would just remove that entirely. And this is, it's surprising to hear this. So Matt, I will say that after 26 years of working on cars, I still wait till the customer leaves the building and leaves the lot before I go get in their car because I know it creates an additional level of anxiety for them when they see little old me walk out and get in their car. It's been, I started that from the very beginning and I still do it to this day because I saw way too many people come to get their cars, walk straight out to them, pop the hood, look around. They don't even know what they're looking for, but they're certain they're going to see something after they saw me work on their car. So I still do that 26 years later. Wow. But it saves headaches in the office. I mean, I did work as a service writer for six months and decided there's way too much going on with my face that I could not control and I can't talk to people. So that's why, that's why you won't play poker like, with us. I can't. I just can't. So the vision poker game, you're never in it. <laughs> but I understand that it also creates a level of pain for them in the office. So it's just easier if I go to the back where nobody sees me and I do my job and everybody leaves me alone. So I've learned to kind of just deal with it that way. Stay out of everybody's way. Is the shop situated in a way that... Oh, yeah, over- you can't see me. Okay, but I was just oh, thinking, yeah. like, over time, when your regular clients know you're there, they know you're as good as you are, that now that wouldn't phase them one bit. They're hoping it's you. I try to make sure that they don't know that I worked on the car. This is probably terrible to say, but uh, when I hear the service advisor on the phone and they say, she looked at this, I cringe every single time. And I've tried to train them to say, my technician looked at it. I just know how it is. I've listened to it long enough. And I try to get them to not say she or my name. I just try to get them to say, my technician looked at XYZ and they've determined that this is the best course of action. I really just try to stay out of it. It's going to be tough to change with 3%. I think that's just the reality is it's wrong. That that line of thinking is wrong. But to change it, 3% of the techs are females. That's I don't know if that's enough to make a dent in it. On the flip side, we're talking about the, you know, generational older clients. Do you find younger clients recently uh, driving, recently paying their own bills? 
which I guess nowadays some people are in their forties, but (laughs) do you find some of that changing or getting better? For me, it depends. I guess it depends on what, what position you're in. Um, no, I guess. No, it depends on the family. Um, for sure. The family that we're, they are a part of, um, we have some longtime customers that know I'm the owner. They love me. They only want to work with me. They only want to talk to me. And I've had to introduce them. You know, when I get a new team member, like I mentioned, my service manager is a woman and I love her. I, she takes amazing care of my customers because she has the same why that I do. And she believes in the same things that I believe and wants the same things. And so I go, I just introduce my customers. This is my service manager, Jeanette, and I tell, give her a little brief history. But my generation, I know you're talking kind of generations because I'm 27. So my generation, I think, cares less about who's doing the work and more about did the work get done? Did it get done? Great. Did it get done? I talked to this guy. This guy is probably, or this girl is probably the one that worked in my car. Great. Cool. Thank you. Have a nice day. And they don't think about it again until they their car breaks down or they need an oil change. The younger generation cares a little bit less about who's doing the work as long as it's getting done and had a good experience. And those of you who can't see the video, there's a lot of head nodding going on during that. Lauren, could you add on that? Or is that something you witness as well? Pretty much. I mean, I know as far as myself goes as a service advisor, I have I do have a lot of customers who like working with me. I love working with them. They're great people. There's a lot of studies out there. And I don't know if I'm prepared to have a really good debate about the authenticity or how accurate it is just yet. Mm-hmm. But women typically get paid less than men. And there's arguments on both sides of it. This group right now that we have seems to be more... Uh, on the assertive side, like you stick up for yourself, which I, I was, I wanted to say this when Michelle said it and Ashley, that I really have a distaste for the double standards women are held to that if you are assertive, not even confrontational, just assertive, you're an all bitchy. And yet that's one of the important things for negotiating your, you know, wages, benefits, how you're treated. So we have three fairly, I think, fairly assertive women here uh, who are not afraid to, you know, talk to somebody, whether it involves getting in their face or not, just bringing up an issue and having an honest conversation about that. Do you know other women in the industry who are either still in it or didn't last that maybe didn't have that in them? And is that an issue with the culture of our trade that to be able to stick with it and stay in it, you have to have this switch that can flip in your brain and become what, whatever adjective we want to describe it as that you tough. have to be able to yeah, stick up. Yeah. Tough, tough. or, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. confrontational keeps sure. coming into my head that you're going to get in somebody's face and tell them to either back off or listen. Yeah. I, I mean, you have to be tough. I, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. You know, as I've grown up, I've become less of a people pleaser and it's like, you know what, if you don't like me, I, I frankly don't care. You know, I'm here to do a job, no. you know, but at the same time being in a position of a service advisor, working under an owner, I have to toe that line very gently. Um, and again, I'm really fortunate with the owner of Los Gatos Auto Service, he wouldn't stand for that either. So I have a little bit of leeway there. And I know that all of the women that I personally know in the industry, they're all really similar. They're all assertive to a certain degree. They all stand up for themselves. They're not afraid to open their mouth when they need to and and set things straight. You're nodding your head. So I'm assuming you agree with that quite a bit, Michelle. I do. 
I really don't know any other women in the industry other than the ones I've met at Vision. And that was like two. Yeah. I think if you have a shop with women, what I focused on is culture. So when I started having a woman or women, multiple women in a shop, there has to be a different culture. It has to be different. Um, I am not a large male. I don't do the same things my dad does. I don't yell and scream to get people to do what I want them to do. And when I took over for my dad, something's, I was different. I said, this is not the way I do things. This is what I believe in. This is where I'm going. And my why, the reason that I do things is because it's the McCabe way, not because I said so. If you don't want to do what I ask you, that's fine. But this is how we take care of our customers. And if you don't want to do it, don't think it's because I'm telling you to do it. This is how we do things here for our customers. It's just a different culture. I have some great, I have a great technician that's still with me after 11 years. He made the transition. He, he loves my family. We love him. Um, but everybody else has made a, I made a change. If you didn't believe in my why, if you don't believe in my culture, you're not taking orders from me. This isn't, I'm telling you what to do. I'm saying this is the McCabe way. So either you're in or you're out. And it's not half in, half out. It's you're in or you're, you're, in or you're out. So I brought it up as a culture that way. So I don't have to be tough or be a bitch. It's, Hey, we talked about this. This is a McCabe way. We don't smoke or we don't vape in front of the shop because it makes us look unprofessional. That's the McCabe way. We don't do those things. That's a direct violation of how we do things here. I don't have to run around being a, not a nice person. And if you want to violate that, that's a strike one. I don't like to be tough. I don't like to, to be that way. And so I raised a culture where I do things because this is the way we do them. This is the McCabe way. Now, this is not the Ashley way. This is not my, my way. This is because we believe in the same goal is to take care of our customer. This is our way. So you're letting us all down as a team because I'm a woman, right? So I can't say it's my way because... So I, so I got a good buy-in when I brought it up that way. When I pitched my goal, we all bought in. It was a whole team effort. So when somebody violates that, they're violating the team. But my dad could yell and scream all over the place and he could get people to do whatever they want. That doesn't work when I do it. So I had to have a different approach. And I feel like it's a happier approach. It does work out very well for me. So I'm okay with that. But <laughs> Did all your shops before you were there, did any of them have women working uh, before you guys worked there? Not my current shop. So no. did, was there any kind of a breakthrough that you felt like you had to, and I don't mean breakthrough and like prove yourself as a tech or a service advisor or, or even as an, an owner manager, but did you feel any kind of a, um, a I guess the, the boys club type thing where, okay, now we're going to have to change everything because she's here. I can't have this calendar the tool guy gave me anymore. We can't talk like this anymore. Whatever that may be. Um, did you feel like there was a resistance to that, that that was being held against you? I know for me at first, you know, they were kind of looking at me like, oh, crap, there's a chick that's working here now. They were telling me, you know, we thought we had to bite our tongue. I know for me personally, I have the sense of humor of probably a 16-year-old boy. So um, a lot of it worked out really well. But I never felt that I had to prove myself. And even at the last shop, I, you know, it was funny because I was actually their customer for two years before I started working for them, which is how I got into the industry. And I 
never once felt like there was any kind of barrier to break through. So I think if someone has the right shop, you know, like Ashley was saying, with the right culture, a welcoming culture, there really shouldn't have to be any kind of break-in period aside of, hey, let's get to know each other. I've just been really lucky with regards to that. I think what worked for me was I didn't make it about me and about me being a woman and how you need to respond to me differently. Because I understood in my very first job, it was a large shop. The shop I'm in now is a large shop. For me to try to come in and and be like, I'm so offended by your calendar. I am so offended by that joke or whatever. I don't have to look at the calendar and I don't have to listen to the joke if I don't want to. That's my choice. It was something I didn't like. It's not that I ignored it. I just didn't participate in it. And it kind of works itself out on its own that way because then they get to know me a little bit and I'm kind of funny and they need my help. So then some of their behavior changes because they want to interact with me a little more. But I didn't try to come at them like, you guys are going to have to take all this stuff down. It's offensive to women and whatever. You know, I didn't, I didn't come at it that way. As their respect for you increased, their respect for how they were treating yeah. women probably isn't quite right. the right word, but the, the way they were presenting them, that uh, qualifications of women, that changed. Sure. sure, I think it did. I mean, I'm kind of like Lauren. I have a pretty... My sense of humor kind of fits in anyway. So Oh, we know. laugh a lot in my shop too. I think that right. goes with I mean, the with the territory. It does. Work hard, play hard. It does. It does. So it, it really wasn't a problem. But I didn't go at it like it was about what you guys have to change for me to fit into your world. I, and I think that that way they weren't put off by it. But to start driving these uh, numbers up, the percentages up. There should, there's got to be something changing in the shops to at least make them a little more welcoming, whether it's looking at taking over and buying a shop or sitting in as a first person anybody sees when they walk into the shop as the advisor. Like you're the face of the company, which would you agree, Lauren? And yeah. then, uh, Michelle in the back, you know, doing, uh, whatever that may be, the repairs, the diagnostics. Would you agree something has to change to make that more appealing? It'd be nice to think that some people listening to this being tax owners or just uh, random people would hear this and maybe be inspired. That might be an angle I'd like to go to. Like I'm not the college type and I don't think the trades in general are really pushed ain't the right word, but suggested to women in general, right? If they don't want to go to college, they're not pushing them towards the trades. And this would definitely be one of those in general, like from what you've worked in or seen or what you feel could change in those shop environments to, you know, better attract this untapped resource. I'd love to see more women shop owners. I'd love to have more connections, um, especially young women. It's a it's an amazing opportunity. Provide could provide a beautiful future for our family. You know, my dad. When we were a single income home, and we had a beautiful um, future life. I grew up with a beautiful life, and no complaints. The shop provided very well for my family. I think that women could really change the industry. You know, automotive sometimes has such a bad rap. Oh, they're going to rip you off, or they're going to take advantage of the women, and blah 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 blah. It's because women don't 
they're not here. They're not, it would be so awesome to have more women to give more voice and say, you know what? That's not the norm anymore. We are setting a new standard because us women are behind the scenes. We're no longer going to allow, you know, those, those shops that rip people off to be in business because we're going to provide such excellent service that we're going to put them out of business. That, I mean, I think that would be huge. You know, I don't, there just isn't a lot out there to teach women about the automotive industry. I had a woman technician and I, and I would have loved to have kept her, but she went off to do something else, something that she made more money doing, you know, she left the automotive industry completely. And it's sad because I think it's a a great opportunity. I mean, I think a woman service advisor is the best position. I'm training my front desk girl to, I would love her to be a service advisor in the next five years. I think that she's great. I, I love having her. Um, she's fabulous. She goes to my service manager. My other service advisor is a male, but I think ser- women service advisors are amazing. I always have such a great experience. If you had um, owned the shop, do you think you could have saved her? Um, No. No? She was done. She had had too many bad experiences before me um, and a great opportunity came along that she had in the automotive industry versus what she was going to outside. I couldn't compete. You find you guys interacting many at all with women in general or young ladies about, you know, fixing cars for a living or working in the trade. Any of you go to speak at uh, schools? We don't. I think it's something that needs to be done though. Cause you know, I know for me personally, like when I was younger, I liked cars. I didn't know a lot about them. I know I like driving them. I like looking at them. Um, I like them in theory. And had I known that, you know, a, a kind of position like what I'm in today was available to me at that point, I would have gotten into the industry a hell of a lot sooner. It's been super rewarding. You know, again, based on my experiences, I, I love doing what I'm doing. I love educating the customers. And I think it's just a lack of knowledge. Um, girls in high school in their early 20s, they just don't know that it's available to them. Not many of them, at least. I did speak at my daughter's school um, earlier this year when they still had school. She was taking, well, it was mandatory for the freshmen to take um, a college and career class. And the teacher reached out to me and asked me to come and speak to them. And it was all girls. And his main focus that day was explaining to them that uh, a lot of your parents won't tell you this, but your path may not be going to college. And you need to understand that there are other things you can do and support yourself and a family. And uh, we had a great time. They took the bus over to the shop and we looked at cars and they checked the oil and located the batteries and stuff like that. We had a blast. Of course, my daughter was in tears when I told her I was going to be at her school, but she got over it. So I thought that was an interesting opportunity. And I was surprised that the teacher even thought of it, frankly, because even for the boys, I don't think trades are really pushed. I think it's like everybody has to go to college now and be $100,000 in debt or you're not doing something right in your life. I think it's not just the women. I don't think, as you know, there's nobody coming into the industry, really. Right. And with the shop classes kind of being phased out. Exactly. That's a a pool that or a a very concentrated pool you can't even go to. You have to wait for career day. Right. (laughs) Which isn't fundamentally bad, but it's, it's different. I think it's just kind of a, you know, rabbit hole, an important one though, to go down that we could keep talking. But would, would you guys be interested in a part two? Sure. Sure. Yeah.
that would be really great. So one of my goals uh, that I had sent out um, through CARM was, you know, a goal of not only in, hopefully inspiring uh, young women to seek, you know, automotive repair uh, profession as a career. Another one is shop owners or managers who maybe are kind of unaware of the environment they have that does not uh, either attract women to come work for them or maybe even worse yet, when they do get one and they hire them, that they basically run them out the door due to, I hate to say it, I hate to quote the article because it, it kind of sucks, but a toxic environment that they're unaware of. And you have advice on uh, recognizing this and then what are some, you know, some early steps to change? It's got to come from up top. My shop is very clean. Uh, I feel like that plays a huge factor. Um, I wouldn't want to come to work every day where it was gringy and dark and dirty and there was greasy handprints all over the place. And so my dad was a stickler for a clean shop. If you couldn't eat up the floors, they weren't clean enough. I mean, it's important. The way we look, the way we portray ourselves is important. I mean, you want to attract your employees. You want to attract um I mean, women, it's important. Uh, we have, cl- we're clean. We, we just painted actually during COVID. We've done a ton of remodeling, but yeah, if, if you had a dirty, grimy shop, I could tell you that a woman probably would not want to work there. And if she got hired and came in and saw it, she probably would leave. Um, I would, I think cleanliness and the way you keep your things organized and the way your shop portrays itself is important, especially to me. That's, we pride ourselves very well in how clean and organized and professional our shop looks because it matters for sure. Be proud of where you work. Be proud of the shop that you, that you work at. Be proud, be proud of your area. I always say that to my guys. Be proud of your area. Be proud of your desk. Be proud of your toolbox. Keep it clean. You have hundreds of thousands of dollars invested in tools. Keep them clean. Keep them organized. You know, we bring customers out to the shop. They don't want to see five, six, seven other um, brake rotors laying on the ground. If you're done, they go in the scrap bin. They don't lay around in the shop for two or three days. Um, that's so important, in, in my opinion. And I, I'm a woman, so I don't know <laughs> if that's different. <laughs> Well, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I want to give Matt a round of applause for one hell of a leadership role here. Well, all three of them are like running backs to conversation. You just give them a little opening and bang, right through it. Great job, Matt. Ladies, thank you so much. Yes, I would encourage a part two. There is so much more to talk about. And I think in our industry, and and let me support everything that you've all just said, uh, ladies are our secret weapons. The customers don't know about that, and some of our team members don't know about that. But Ashley, I think you may have nailed it when you spoke about culture. Women fit into organizations when the culture's right. They come in, they stay in, they blossom because the cultures are right. Maybe that's the biggest message here. And so my challenge to everyone in the industry is the next hire needs to be a female. And it could be a female technician. And I know there's so few of them out there. But look, find, get, and if not, uh, service advisor. Let's get more female service advisors on the counter and then support them and don't get in their way and then bridge the gap between the guys in the back to the woman up front. And if not, and the culture isn't right, like you said, Ashley, if it's not the McCabe way, you're out.
And it's it's got to work. So uh, you know, th- there were some great answers in in this great discussion, Matt. Thank you for your passion, and uh, you did a, you did a great job. Thanks to Ashley McCabe, McCabe's automotive specialist, University Place in Washington. Michelle Wynn from Beck Service Center in Indianapolis. Lauren Giver, service advisor, Los Gatos. Los Gatos, I love to say that, in Campbell, California. And, of course, my friend Matt Fonzo, shop manager, diagnostician, Riverside Automotive. Great job leading this panel. I just sat back and let you do it, bud. Good job. Uh, thank you for everything. Thank you, guys. I mean, you made it easy. Thanks for caring to... about this topic, Matt. I really appreciate this. Yeah, well, absolutely. It, it, we need more of them because I, I just think it's uh, like dust, dust in the air. A lot of people, <laughs> you don't know it's there until you shine a light on it. So hopefully we can make a big dent in this. I would like to really see those percentages shift. Now let's keep this going. Thanks, ladies and Matt. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time. 